Lord. God bless you. If you have your Westover app, I invite you to open it now. If not, take your Bible, turn in the New Testament to the book of Matthew chapter 24. We're beginning a new series this weekend and will continue for a few weeks entitled Peace in Madness. Peace in Madness. We live today in troublesome times. It seems like the world is stressed and distressed. Almost like somebody has lit the fuse and it's burning towards a foreboding conclusion. As it were, we're experiencing tremors of prophetic fulfillment in the day and the hour in which we live today. The Atomic Commission monitors what they call the doomsday clock. It was established in 1947 and for some 70 years they monitor it. And they set the clock where we are internationally, where the world is. And midnight would represent a nuclear holocaust. In 1991, they set it at 17 minutes towards midnight. February of 2018, just a few weeks ago, they set the atomic clock, the, the doomsday clock, at two minutes to midnight. They're saying that never before in human history have we been closer to a nuclear holocaust than we are right now. Again, I repeat, we're living in troublesome times. But I want to tell you we're living in prophetic times. And in the madness and the chaos that's in our world today, God's Word says you and I as believers, we can have peace. I invite you to join me in Matthew chapter 24, the words of Jesus. This is just a few weeks before he will be crucified. They're on the Mount of Olives. Those that have gone to Israel with us in the past, we've been at this very location where we stop and do a teaching is the very location that Jesus gave this instruction. The disciples will ask three questions. When shall these things be? What are the signs of your coming and of the end of the earth? And Jesus is going to give a discourse in Matthew chapter 24, which is actually the spinal column of biblical prophecy that we can attach Daniel in the book of Revelation to. The words of Jesus, verse 6 through verse 8. Jesus said, in these last days you will hear of wars and rumors of war. But see to it that you're not alarmed. You can have peace in chaos. You can have peace in madness. See to it that you're not alarmed. One verse that says, see to it that you're not troubled. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, earthquakes in various places. All of these are the beginning of birth pains. One version says all of this is the beginning of sorrow. You and I are living in prophetic times. The news media is rolling out a constant barrage of headlines, details, and stories, crises across the world and in the United States. And I want to suggest to us that there are mile markers, 
mile marker, prophetic mile markers that tell us we're in the end time. Jesus will give the instruction here. And we see them in our very hour. Allow me to elaborate. Today, there is the threat of school shootings that have become so prevalent. Many of us grew up in a school where the worst thing was spit wads. But now the fear is of an AK-47 entering the campus. We, we have been introduced to places like Parkland and Sandy Hook because of the trouble and the turmoil, if you please, the, the insanity in our society. Northside Independent School District in San Antonio on the recent bond issue, they're putting bulletproof glass in the entryway of, of schools, public schools. They, they have fire drills, but now kindergartens are involved in, in security drills. Little six-year-olds are going into rooms and hunkering down just in case there's ever a disaster, a tragedy that would strike that school. That's the hour in which we live. There are other mile markers Natural disasters, hurricanes, earthquakes, droughts, fires. Jesus said these are, these are signs. Do you know that the scripture actually prophesies global warming? It's in a conversation all the time. The scientists and meteorologists are giving conversation that our world, the, the, the global temperature is increasing and changing weather. Do you know it's actually prophesied in scripture? In Revelation chapter 16, verse 8 and 9 says that the increase in global temperature will go up and the sun will begin to scorch the earth. God said, I'm causing it. Why? He said, I'm going to tap the world on the shoulder to get the world's attention. In something they can't control, my voice and my presence will go out trying to wake them up to see if they will return to me and repent. In the book of Daniel, chapter number 2, verse number 21, here's what God says, in the last days I'm going to change times and seasons. I'm going to reset the ecosystem. I'm going to reset the patterns on earth. The, the world will not be listening to my voice, so I'm going to speak to them in the natural to see if they will hear the voice of the supernatural. Moreover, we see an increase in racial divide, ethnic conflict, prejudice in our world today. We've been introduced to communities by tragedies such as the Charleston church shooting, the Charlottesville, Virginia, last year, Ferguson, Missouri. As it were, there's turmoil and tension, not only without in the world, but even within the America and internationally within countries. There seems to be a ripping and a, and a shredding and a division happening in society today. Trust in political parties and political systems is eroding. Politicians used to be looked at the solution to the problems. Now they're the cause of the problems. Gridlock polarization, a word that has become popular in our vocabulary. I don't know if you're listening to it. Occasionally on the talk shows and the evening news, you will hear this phrase, broken government. It's telling us politicians are, are, are recognizing government as we know it is broken. It's dysfunctional. It's not working. Why is this happening? God's saying because it's going to set up a time for a one-world government. It is paving the way. 
The world is looking for a different solution from the one we have. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, it gives us a discussion of last days. It says in verse number 1 of that chapter, now concerning the soon coming of Jesus Christ, so now we know what the discussion is, what's going to happen right before the coming of the Lord. He's going to tell us in just a moment. Now concerning the coming of the Lord, then he goes down to verse number seven, probably a verse many of us have read past and really not paid attention to, but let me cite it one more time. It says the secret power of lawlessness is at work in the last days. Have you ever noticed that phrase in Scripture, the secret power of lawlessness? A spirit of lawlessness. We're in a society in America today, we see that unleashed. It doesn't matter how many gated communities we build. It doesn't matter how many laws we pass. It seems like we cannot, we cannot control society. They, they cannot pass enough laws to restrict and, and, and to somehow stave off the evil and the, and the insane that's happening in our society today. Why? Because the secret power of lawlessness is now at work in our society. We have in America today over 6,000 prison jails and detention centers. There's 1.1 million persons serving in law enforcement in America. 1.1. Over 2 million people are incarcerated in prisons, jails, and detention centers. Yet at the same time, we realize we're in a, in a time of lawlessness, as it were, a spirit of lawlessness has broken out in our world today. We try to pass laws, but we can't stop the evil. We can't stop the injustice. On the federal level, not counting the state, county, and the city level, just on the federal level, there are 4,500 laws on the books and 23,000 pages of federal laws. Just on the federal level, 4,500 laws. For every law, there are 18 rules. That is to say 4,500 laws. 90,000 rules contained in 23,000 pages of documents just on the federal le level. And America saying we need more laws because lawlessness, we can't control the, the, and we can't restrict the wrong and the injustice in our society. The spirit of lawlessness has broke out in America. Do you know the Bible? The Bible contains 10 commandments and 613 laws. Just 10 commandments, 613 laws. And, the, and Scripture tells us if we will follow this, the home, the family, and society will function correctly. But we have amassed 90,000 rules, 4,500 laws on the federal level. If you stack those 23,000 pages up, they would be 20 of this Bible stacked up for just federal laws. Why? Because we can't manage society. And the scripture tells us why. Because there's a man coming, and he's called the lawless one, the Antichrist. When society cannot solve its problems, somebody's going to come on the scene and he's going to say, I'll solve the problem. Economic insecurity and disparity is another sign 
that we're living in the last day. The 1% amasses more more wealth, and the 99% are falling farther and farther down. And it's creating conflict. It's creating a disparity. And people are looking for an economic solution to where we're at today. Our geopolitical plates in the world are shifting. Your your evening news, the Time magazines, things that are reported to us are telling us that that our world as we know it, there there are tremors of change and conflict that are building up in our world today. We can't get the story of North Korea out of the news. It has emerged as a a nuclear nation. I believe, according to Scripture, it's going to open the door for China to step into the the limelight and will be negotiating and will be a, a, a major player in the Korean Peninsula. Do you know that they told us that by 2015, Time Magazine said that China will be the world's economic and military superpower, and they have adjusted it down to the year 2025. By 2025, that China would be the world economic and the world military superpower in our world today. We can't push Iran out of the news. It still lurks as a threat to Israel. And then, of course, there is the resurgence of Russia. Just the other day, March the 1st, 2018, Putin got before uh, his uh, government and announced, and it was broadcast on television and went around the world in what he called his State of the Union Address that Russia is rolling out a new generation of missiles, military hardware, and technology. I'm sure you caught it on the evening news. It was just the other day. They gave animation drawings of it. And they say that Russia has now, according to Putin, developed a drone that can fly underwater, undetected by radar systems. And it can deliver a nuclear warhead to a country or to a target by traveling under underwater. A new generation of, of nuclear missiles that can navigate around undetected radar systems and bringing a new threat to our world. Where is this found in Bible? Can I tell you? It's actually prophesied exactly as it was unveiled by Putin. It was prophesied in Revelation chapter 13. In Revelation chapter 13, John the Revelator writes, and I just remind you, he was writing in the first century. He he was using the language and the vocabulary that he knew, but he was describing 21st century events. But he did not have in his vocabulary words like drone, cruise missile, nuclear warhead, radar system. He did not have in his language words like satellite, internet, technology. He didn't have those words, but he saw it and he began to describe what's going to happen in the last days. And here's what he said. I see a bear in Scripture that references Russia. He says, I see a bear, and this beast will have a fatal wound, and the world will think that this this beast has been wounded unto death. 
But it will tell us in Scripture that that fatal wound in Revelation 13.3 will heal. We have seen that prophetically happen. The old Soviet Union, we saw it collapse and fall. The Iron Curtain come down in 1989. An American in the world thought, well, communism is over. We'll no, we'll no longer have that threat. The world map, we're moving into a time of peace. Hence, they put the atomic clock in 1991 at 17 minutes before midnight when the Iron Curtain collapsed and the old Soviet Union was no more. But that fatal wound has healed. Putin has resurged and has rebuilt and is rebuilding the arsenal of Russia today. It tells us this in Revelation 13, that that bear will have a fatal wound, but the wound will be healed, and he will rise up, and he will have a new arsenal that he will unleash against the world. How's this arsenal described? In verse 1 of that chapter, he says, and I saw this beast is going to release a dragon. If you were writing in the first century and you saw a drone flying and then it going into the water and coming up and a fiery, uh, a lethal explosion happening, how would you describe it? Here it is. John says, I saw from this beast a dragon was released. And he said in verse number one, this dragon is going to come out of the water. He says it's going to be undetected. No one can make war against him. What is he saying? You will not be able to detect it by your radar systems. No one will be able to wage war against this dragon. Moreover, we know that Russia has been involved in and internet espionage against this country and other countries, hacking in and doing internet warfare and electronic espionage. Do you know it's actually prophesied in Scripture? The Bible says that this, this bear will have authority. The Apostle Paul would write in Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12, again, he never used the word a satellite, internet. He never used firewall. He never, he didn't have the language, but he said this in the best description. He said, he said, you're going to fight a battle, but it's going to be in the air and it won't be on land. And it's going to be principalities and powers that will be able to infiltrate and bring destruction upon people. He says it's spiritual wickedness. It's in the high places. What is he saying? He's saying exactly what's happening today. There's going to be the ability to wage an electronic warfare, and Scripture prophesies that accurately. We're living in troublesome times. Do you know in America today, another mile, a mile marker taking us down the road? Of these prophetic times, 70% of Americans today are on some kind of prescription medicine. Do you know that one in 10 persons in America today over the age of 12, one in 10 is addicted to drugs? 13% of all Americans are taking antidepressants. We're living in troublesome times. Do you know the, the threat that's a 21st century reality and, and it was really introduced to the United States, a 9-11, the attack on the world, the, the world Trade Centers in New York City, terrorism? Do you know it's prophesied in Scripture? 
Jesus will say in Luke chapter 21, verse number 26, and he says, he, he will tell us then, he says, people's heart will faint for terror. Let me add one syllable to that. People will be afraid their hearts will faint because of terrorism. It's prophesied in Scripture. We're living in troublesome times. But I want you to know today, God's Word says, you and I as believers, we can have peace in the madness. We can have peace in chaos. And I want to share with you very quickly as I wrap this message up, and we'll be in this series for three weeks, four things that speak to us how we can have peace in madness. Number one, number one, stay focused on Jesus. Stay focused on Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number two, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. One version says the author and the finisher of our faith. What can you do today? Can I encourage you? Don't get caught up in political parties and political personalities. The thing that's going to see us through is Jesus. The thing that's going to take us through this time and this season is Jesus. Sometimes people will ask me, what party are you with or what politician are you for? Can I tell you, I'm going to stick with the one that's going to win the last battle and take God's people through, and that's Jesus. And I encourage you, fix your eyes on Jesus. And I want to give this hope and this promise to everyone in this room. God's people, if you, if you will passionately pursue God. God will protect and God will preserve those that passionately love him. If you will love Jesus, if you will follow Jesus, if you will serve Jesus, if you'll put your eyes on Jesus, the Bible says that God will protect and God will preserve you. Stay focused on Jesus. <laughs> number two, number two, stay committed to God's word. Stay committed to God's word. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, the discussion of that chapter is the last days, verse number 1. He's going to say, mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Know that. We're living that. The headlines are telling us that. There are terrible things that are happening in society today. We are in the last days. He said, mark it. What does he say, mean by market? He says, pay attention to it. When things become terrible, what should you do? Paul, what are you telling us? What's the Holy Spirit revealed to you that we as believers can do in the last day? He will tell us in verse number 14 and following. He's going to tell us in verse 14, continue. Continue in what you have learned from the Holy Scriptures from infancy. The word that has been put into your heart, continue in them. He will go down in verse number 16 and said, God's word is solid. It'll work in every area of life. It is, it is applicable for every challenge and every situation. And he'll tell us in verse number 17 that the word of God will fully equip you that you can succeed in your marriage, in your home, in your family, in your business. The word of God will fully equip you unto all goods, good works. Stay connected. Stay committed to God's word. May I just say, every one of us in here, we need a Bible. You need a Bible. You need either an electronic or a print Bible. 
Don't say, well, you know, when I want a Bible verse, I just Google. No, you need a Bible. You need to have a Bible. Some of us, some of us don't have a Bible. Download a Bible. You need a print Bible. You say, I have one, but I haven't found it in so long. It's been packed away and stuck back in a corner somewhere. You need to get it out or go on Amazon today and buy you a Bible. Have a Bible. The Bible is the only reliable thing that's going to navigate us in this last day. Have, 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 have you ever been misle- misled by GPS? Am I the only person that's put in the address? And you listen to the voice, go down four miles this way, take a laugh. Go down three blocks and take a ride. Go down another half a block and take it, and you go there. And all of a sudden, it'll say, you have arrived, and you're nowhere. Has that, has that ever happened to you? Am I the only one that's ever happened to you? Can I tell you? You can listen to philosophy. You can listen to politicians. You can listen to people pontificate their idea. You can listen to the voices around you, and they will lead you nowhere. But God's Word is sure. Heaven and earth will pass away. This book will never pass away. You can rely upon God's Word. Let me tell you about the Assemblies of God. Let me tell you about Westover. We believe God's Word, the Bible, is divinely inspired and is infallible. What does that mean? We believe it came from heaven. God gave us every word in this, and it's infallible. It's correct scientifically. It's correct psychologically. It's correct historically. It's correct geographically. It's correct morally, and it's correct spiritually. It's correct in every area. In every area, this Bible is correct, and we can build our lives and stand upon it, and we need to do that. Can I give us a, an advice? Can I, can, I, can I give Westover an advice? Don't go out and Google what somebody says about the Bible. Don't Google what somebody says the Bible says. That's happening too much in the body of Christ. Well, you know what? I'm not sure if I fully understand this. Here's what people say. The reason I don't read the Bible is I don't understand it. Most of the time, the reason we don't want to read the Bible is because it disagrees with us. Not because we don't understand. It's because we do understand it. It's because we do understand it, but it disagrees with us. So we go out there in Google land to see if there's some harebrained writer or blogger out there that can tell us the Old Testament's not for you and half of the New Testament's not for you and anything you don't want's not for you. It's like a menu. You just pick what you want. Can I tell you, that's not what God says about His Word. The Bible is inspired. It speaks to us. It talks to us. It communicates us. Don't Google what somebody says the Bible says. Just read the Bible. How about just read the Bible? Tim LaHaye said several years ago, and I'll never forget, and it's been etched in my heart, been etched in my mind since then. He said, when the plain sense of Scripture makes common sense, seek no other sense. God's Word says it. I know what it means. Then that has settled. That is settled. That's exactly what Scripture means. Can I tell you, you can't throw a philosophy book in the face of the devil. You cannot throw a political platform in the face of the devil. 
You cannot throw a syllabus in the face of the devil, but you can take God's word and throw it in the face of the devil, and he cannot bark back argue. He cannot stand against God's word. God's word is settled. And again I say, stay committed to the Bible. Number three, stay connected to church. Stay connected. Hebrews 10 and 25. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Yeah, they're in the habit of doing that, sure enough. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the Notice that word, day is capitalized, day approaching. It's not any day, it's a certain day. Not any day, it's a certain day. It's capitalized in the text. It refers to a certain, what's it? The day of judgment, the day of the end of the earth, the day of the coming of the Lord, the day of judgment coming. You need to stick together, encourage one as you see that day approaching somebody will ask me i get this question okay pastor now tell me do you have to go to church to go to heaven no no the only thing that ensures heaven for us the only thing that purchases our salvation is the blood of jesus christ on the cross period period the assemblies of god don't control it no one else controls it jesus Jesus died on the cross to purchase our salvation. End of it. But the scripture says, in the last days, it'll be troublesome. And you need to gather together. You need to encourage one another. Why? Because we're facing a headwind today. We're facing a headwind. Parents, you're facing a headwind. Teachers are now instructed to start saying in our schools, in public school, to move away from pronouns. You cannot use pronouns. You cannot call a little boy a him, and you cannot refer to a little girl as a her. We have to eliminate their telling us pronouns because that's labeling kids. And they may not have decided who they are or what their gender is. There is a Greek word for that. It's called hogwash. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. God said he called Adam him and he called Eve her. And there is an assault on our biblical values today to rewrite them and change the landscape. This is from the pits of hell and there is a headwind against parents today. You need help. You need to be encouraged. You need people standing with you and helping you. There's going to be a time you're going to need that reinforcement and standing together. That's what God intends. That's what God intends. And we need to stand for the values God has. And that's what the church does. And then number four, what can we do in these prophetic times? Stay full of the Holy Spirit. Stay full of the Holy Spirit. In the next to the last book in the Bible, the book of Jude, it's one chapter, it's one page. Towards the end of that one page chapter, verse 18 through 20, he gives us instructions in these last days. He's going to tell us in verse number 18, in 
the last times. This is for us. This is for you and I today in the last times. What are we to do? He's going to tell us there in verse number 20, and building yourself up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. There are times that we're just going to have to stay full of the Holy Spirit and pray in the Holy Spirit. Parents, if you'll pray in the Spirit, if you'll function in the Spirit, if you'll live a Spirit-filled life, God's Word says that He will give you spiritual stealth technology. Uh, you're just going to know things. You're going to sense things in the Spirit. You're just going to know your daughter shouldn't date, and you're going to know your son shouldn't do. You're just going to know it. Why? The Holy Spirit will speak to you. And you're your son or your daughter may come and say, but I, I don't understand, I don't understand, why, why can't I do it? just nothing wrong with it, everybody's doing it. All of the information, and you're going to say, I just know it. I just know it. The Spirit of God will speak to you. For you see, the hour of darkness is God's hour of power. The hour of darkness is going to be God's hour of power. He said, when you see all of these things come to pass, don't you be troubled, don't you be alarmed, don't you worry. God is telling us it's going to be all right. Denise and I have had the privilege of traveling inter internationally from time to time. We've gone to Africa. We were there earlier this year. I'll be in Africa in the, for a few days in the month of August dedicating a building this church helped pay for in Dodoma, Tanzania, Africa. I can remember when Denise and I went to Vietnam for the first time. It's a communist country. We had to apply for our visa. I remember when we got our visa back from the, from the uh, uh, visa office in Washington, D.C. They also sent some information, and the information went something like this. You're going to a communist country. You need to understand you'll be under Vietnamese law while you're there. The Vietnamese government can hold you arrest you and never let the American embassy know. Moreover, you need to know if you're traveling throughout Vietnam, the rule in Vietnam is the law of the land stops at the gate of the city. What does that mean? It doesn't matter what the law of the land is and you're thinking you're following the law of the land. If you're in any, any individual village and in that village, the leader, the magistrate, whoever's in charge of that, the sheriff, the whoever's in charge of that particular community village, if they decide just to hold you, doesn't matter what the law is, they can do it and they have the right to do it. We went to Vietnam. The moment you arrive in Vietnam, we were there to participate in building an orphanage. The moment you arrive, your U.S. money no longer works. My U.S. driver's license is, is invalid. My rights as a U.S. citizen do not count. My norms, my, what, what I do, it's, it's, we're, we're in a different culture. We live by that culture. I can remember the missionary saying, come on, let's go eat. And we went down to a restaurant. And, and that day we had, we had dog for lunch that particular day. Yeah, yeah, you're in Vietnam. Gives a new meaning to the phrase puppy chow, doesn't it, huh? <laughs> yeah, it does. Denise de decided that day she was going to declare a fast, that she was just going to fast unto the Lord. Yes, you're in Vietnam. 
I remember when we were there, we dedicated the orphanage. We flew back to the U.S. We landed in the U.S. almost a day and a half later. We got in the customs line. We were going through U.S. customs. We walked up to the counter. We presented our passport. The agent there asked us a few questions, was checking and verifying our information. And then he took this stamp and he did this. And he handed it back to us and he said, never forget this, welcome home. Welcome home. And at that moment, the moment he put that stamp in, my U.S. money, I could spend it. The moment he stamped it, my Visa card, I could use it. I now had ketchup. I now had salsa. I mean, we were back in the, my driver's license just worked. Why? Because I was now under the jurisdiction of my citizenship. And before I was un, under another law and another place where my citizenship was non-effect. Here's what Scripture says. Believers in Christ, you are citizens of heaven. You are citizens of heaven. You know Jesus Christ is your Savior. You're under heaven's jurisdiction. When the enemy comes in and he tells you, you can't, you won't, he lies to you, he tells you your family, your kids are going to be a statistic, they're going to tell you, you have to follow the herd, you have to live by the values, can I tell you, it doesn't have to be that way. You are now citizens of heaven. You're under a different jurisdiction. And when the enemy comes in with his lies and his deceit and the troublesome times, I can just stand up with faith and confidence in God and say, I have citizenship in another place there's I'm under a different jurisdiction I'm under the hand of God I'm under the blessing of God that's what we can do as believers that's the difference and the key is Jesus has to be Lord and Savior of our life and if God is not Lord and Savior of your life I'm going to give you that chance today to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. If there was ever a time you were closer to God than you are right now, this altar appeal is for you. If you've been coming to church, you say, I believe in God, but that's a generalized term, and you can't say, I have an active, vibrant, real, personal relationship with Jesus Christ, this altar appeal is for you. If you have served God in the past, but you've drifted and wandered from God, Something has separated you. Maybe the issues and the busyness of life and somehow God went down the priority list. This altar call is for you. This is an altar call and as we walk through these troublesome times to put your confidence in the Lord, put your life in God's hands, to invite Christ into your life, to come under the citizenship of heaven for God to make a difference in your life. And balcony and main floor, I'm going to invite you right now to bow your heads. And I pose the most important question that's been posed to you this year. Are you living a thriving life for Jesus Christ? If there's ever a time you were closer to God than you are today, this altar appeal is for you. If you've never given Christ full commitment and surrender in your life, this altar appeal is for you. And if you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, I'm going to invite you on the count of three to lift your hand. And your hand going up is saying, I need Jesus in my life. So here it is. Here it is for you. Do you want Christ in your life? 
count of three, raise your hand. One, two, here it is, three. I need Christ as my Savior. Yes. Yeah, balcony, main floor. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. I'm going to invite you to stand together with me right now balcony I'm going to ask our prayer team to get positioned several hands in the balcony prayer team and deacon and deaconess on our main floor would you step forward right now and get positioned the balcony we're going to have prayer team if you raised your hand here it is this is the real deal this is the moment this is the moment you can turn your life over to Jesus right now we're not asking you to join this church. It has nothing to do with membership. It has everything to do with citizenship. That's what it's about. And if you want, if you raise your hand and you want Christ in your life or rededicate your life to the Lord, I'm going to invite you to come forward right now and pray with somebody. Just step out. Just step out. In the balcony, just step over. Just walk right now. Balcony, don't. Forget about everybody else looking around. This is your soul. This is your heart. It's time to make a commitment to Jesus. And I'm going to invite you to just step over. You raised your hand. There's somebody in the aisle right now. I saw hands go up. Don't, don't, don't linger in the moment. Don't miss your moment with God. Respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Yes. You want to commit or recommit to Jesus as Lord and Savior? I'm going to invite our deacon, deaconess, our council advisors, our prayer team. Come, come forward and pray with people. Come forward and pray with people. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, pray with people. This is the most important decision that's made in a heart and a life right now. Absolutely. Right here, gentlemen. There's Right here. Thank you. Thank you. Right here. Yes. Prayer team, don't pray for them. We can't pray salvation in people. They've got to receive Christ as their Savior. They've got to surrender their heart to the Lord. That's what's happening. The most important business that's done today is being done right now in this altar. Now, for just a moment, I want to speak to the church family. We're facing a headwind. We're facing a headwind of culture. And I don't want you to be intimidated and to be fearful. In fact, next weekend, I'm going to tell you how to have peace in everyday chaos that's around us. I'm going to unpack that in message two. But I want to speak to you. Jesus said these things are going to come to pass. And don't be alarmed. Don't be fearful. You can have peace in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of this madness in our world today. And as believers, we need to stay full of the Holy Spirit. We need to keep our hearts centered on God. We need all of God we can take. You can't fight the enemy alone. But greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The forces against you are, are instantly dispelled by the power and the presence of Jesus in your life. And believers, you have authority over the wicked one. You have authority over culture. We don't have to acquiesce and give in to the trend today. We can be people of light and we can make a difference. And I'm going to invite the church body, the family, to begin to pray right now. I'm just going to invite you. This is a, this is a moment to just set our hearts 
and to do some spiritual prioritizing right now. Would you join me? I'm going to pray. And I invite you to pray. You may be praying for your family. You may be praying for a family member. You may be praying for the forces and the conflicts and job. Can I tell you, some of your job conflicts is not company policy. They're spiritual forces at work. They're spiritual forces that will identify people of faith and try to intimidate people of faith from speaking up. And I invite you to be a person of faith. Would you join me, Father, right now across this audience? across God, these wonderful people. Lord, that you would inspire us with a divine confidence in the Lord, a divine assurance in troublesome times. God, we can stand strong in the faith. We don't have to follow the way of culture. We don't have to acquiesce. We don't have to be intimidated. In particular, God, I pray for young adults. I pray for young I pray for that millennial generation. They're on the They're on the tip of the spear. They're the cutting edge, God. They can make a difference. Oh, God, don't let them be absorbed into this culture. God, use them. Let them be a voice. Let them be an influence against culture. Father, give them confidence. Give them assurance in God's Word. Let young adult generation be people of the Word of God and stand strong in the things of God. God, grant it. Give us a generation, God of world changers. I pray, God, for the church in America. The church in America needs a spiritual revival. I pray for Westover. God, give us a revival. Give us a renewing of your Holy Spirit. Give us a renewing of commitment to God. God, give us a renewing of confidence in the Word of God. I pray, Lord, let us as believers put our faith in the Lord our confidence in the Word of God. I pray, Lord, let there be a spiritual visitation of your Spirit come to the American church. America needs to turn back to God. Let us hear the voice of the Spirit speaking in this hour, in this generation. Let it be God. Let it be God. We commit ourselves. We commit ourselves, Lord, to be followers of Jesus today to be followers of Jesus today. I pray, oh God, parents today facing challenges. It seems as it were the enemy might have the upper hand, but greater is the one that's in us than he that's in the world. By the power of Jesus, we can overcome. By the power of the Lord, we can stand strong in this day. By the power of the Lord, God, families can stand and God, you would protect them and protect their values. Lord, that they, they would be light in the midst of darkness. I pray for our men, God. I pray, give us, a, give us a gathering of men. Men that will lead the household of faith in godly values. Men that are courageous for God. Men that are bold. Men that are stalwarts. Men that have conviction. God, give us men that will stand strong in this day, in this hour. Let it be God. Let it be God, in the name of Jesus, we commit our lives to you, God. We surrender to you, Lord. We surrender to you, God, in the name of Jesus, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Church family, you can have peace and badness. We will not fight the devil on social media. We can't throw tennis balls against a, a tank. They'll just bounce off. But his word, his word is strong and mighty. God's spirit is strong and mighty. And you are citizens of heaven. You're citizens of the king. I pray you go in confidence and assurance that you have God on your side. Thank you for being with us and God bless you. You're dismissed. Go in the goodness of the Lord.